Welcome to the Ellis Talker Show. I'm DV LeBron. Today I have a very special guest, Miss Lindy Beatty, who is a candidate for the Ellis County District Attorney. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for coming on. You know, I uh, I got a chance to meet with you and, um, you know, had some coffee and talked about some of your plans. So I'd like, to, you know, I'm very glad that you were able to come on and talk to, to the people of Ellis County about uh, this run for office. So first, I wanted you to go ahead and introduce yourself, you know, kind of tell a little bio about you. Sure. Thank you. So my name is Lindy Beatty. I'm originally from San Antonio. I went to high school there, grew up there, graduated from St. Mary's University in 1996, uh, decided to go to law school. So I went to the University of Houston Law Center, graduated with my law degree in 1999, uh, passed the bar exam, became a licensed attorney in November of 1999. Uh, from there, I started really my legal career uh, at the Atascosa County Attorney's Office, which was a county just south of San Antonio, very tiny county. Uh, and I started there as an assistant county attorney, prosecuted misdemeanor cases, prosecuted juvenile cases, and also assisted with giving commissioner's court advice. Loved it there. Um, it, it really was a great training ground for me. I got to try a lot of different kinds of cases, DWIs, assaults, drug cases. Uh, and from there, you know, it was a great place to work, but it didn't pay that much. And I did have student loans. Thanks. So, uh, you know, I started to look for other jobs with the blessing of my current uh, um, boss at the time, because he knew the limitations of that county and how much they could pay. So I saw a job listing in Ellis County. I honestly didn't know where it was. Uh, I looked on a map and I said, where is this Waxahachie? And I interviewed for the job as a juvenile prosecutor with uh, then Joe Grubbs was a DA. I felt the interview went really well. On my way home, probably about when I got to Waco, he offered me the position. I was very excited. Uh, I came probably less than two weeks after that. Uh, yeah, started uh, immediately, went to a conference probably three days after I started. Wow. Um, and I did juvenile, probably from about September of 2004 till maybe I did that for about 10 months. And then I moved up to felony. Uh, at that time, just doing state jail felonies, third degree felonies, revocations. Uh, and then Patrick Wilson, who was doing all the child sex crimes at the time, said, I don't want to do this anymore. They're yours. So for the next four years, I was the prosecutor that handled all of the child sex crimes in Ellis County. Very rewarding mentally and emotionally exhausting, but again, very rewarding. Uh, and then I did that till about 2010. And then at that point, the county was growing, population was growing, crime was growing, uh, but our office wasn't growing. So we had to have everybody hands-on to do all kinds of things. So continue to do felonies. Uh, and then in about 2014, uh, became the misdemeanor chief prosecutor, was supervising those guys, the new guys coming in, uh, did that for about a year. And then in 2015, I became both 
the misdemeanor chief prosecutor and the felony chief prosecutor. Um, handled full caseloads on both ends in three courts. So that was a fun time. Uh, and then in 2015, maybe the beginning of 2016, uh, I then became the felony chief prosecutor in Judge Carroll's court in the 40th District Court. Uh, stayed there until 2019. And then I left with the felony chief prosecutor in Ermatinger's court. Uh, and we opened our own law firm. So I do criminal defense now. So I've kind of come full circle uh, and I'm ready to get back in it. Yeah. And, and, and how would you say or, or what what trait do you think you gain most that w that would uh, make you a good candidate to be the, the, the county district attorney? Right. So I think it's experience, number one, right? Just handling a wide variety of cases. There isn't any type of case that I have not handled from the simplest misdemeanor to a capital murder to anywhere in between. So I feel like I have a lot of experience uh, with a broad range of topics. Uh, I have a lot of experience working with different law enforcement officers around the county. And then, you know, even on the defense work, the, the biggest difference I tell people that I learned from prosecution to defense is that you have a little bit more compassion, if you will, and you kind of see crime full circle. You know how a crime affects a victim and their family, but crime also affects the defendant and his family. A lot of the times those families didn't ask to be put in that position, but they're there because of a choice the defendant made. But those consequences are real on both ends. And so this concept of justice that we have, and it is a prosecutor's duty to seek justice, is not just for one entity or another. It's not just justice for a victim. It's not just justice for a defendant or their family. It's justice for everybody. And I take that concept very seriously. And so while my, my first thing is to be tough on crime, that's how I've always been. I'm conservative in my values. I think a stronger, more peaceful community starts from a just and a tough on crime community. But you gotta throw in that compassion there. And that's why you look at each case on their own merits. Not There is no two cases that are exactly alike. Everything is unique uh, in everything that it brings. And so you have to look at all aspects of it to really achieve the justice end. What, what made you want to put yourself in the gauntlet that is Ellis County politics and run for office? And before you go on, I want to tell you, and I tell every candidate and every person that comes here, thank you for wanting to serve the people of Ellis County in some way, shape, or form, because there's no way I would do it. So <laughs> go ahead. and. Yeah, I appreciate that, right? If, if you had told me probably even six months ago I would be running for any type of political office, I would have called you insane. I mean... It is a difficult decision to make, and it's not just a decision I, I make, right? I'm just one person. I have a family. I have a husband. I have two kids. Uh, and so it kind of takes all of us, right? So we had to sit down as a family, one, to say, do we want to do this? It's going to cost money, right? This is a job interview, but I pay money to try to get this job. <laughs> so that's sort of unique. Uh, and so we had to make sure that financially was something that we wanted to do. We had to make sure that my family understood the commitment that it was going to take, not just during the campaign, but doing the actual job, right? So we, we sat down, I, I 
explain to my husband and my kids, this is going to take me away from you for several months, for sure, in the campaign. And then they already know my work ethic in terms of they know I'm going to work hard. They know I'm going to work nights and weekends because I've always done that anyways. That's not going to be anything different. But there's a new level of responsibility now being the DA as opposed to an assistant. So we sat down. We thought about it. And I've, I've told my kids, I'm actually doing this for you as well, because you live here. I want this to continue to be a safe space for you to continue to live in and work in and go to school in. Uh, and so they understood the sacrifices that they're also going to have to make to do this. So that was step, step one, really. Along with that was really just praying about this, right? Like I firmly believe that God wills everything, obviously, right? God already knows how this all ends for all of us, right? And, and so if I just trust in him, I try to listen to him instead of me doing the talking and try to listen and say, is this something right to do? Is this your will for me? Uh, and I hope I listened correctly. <laughs> and so I decided to do it and, and make a run at it. And I'm doing it because I truly believe that I can do this job really well. Right. I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect. Nobody is. But I believe I can do this well because of the positive relationships that I've built throughout the 20 years that I've been here with everybody I've encountered. And that's whether that's law, enforce law enforcement, other attorneys, the judges, the clerks, defense attorneys, it's everybody, uh, because I think it takes everybody to effectively and efficiently get to justice. Relationships are important. I mean, Absolutely. especially when you're dealing in the in the criminal justice system. And, and you know, I wanted to know what what is the most because you, you ran, you want to effectuate change and there's things you want to bring. But what, what would you say is the most pressing issue facing um, Ellis County as far as crime? All right. So the, the main thing for me is the delay of justice, in my opinion. So for me, justice delayed is justice denied. So when cases take a long time to go through the system, right, there's many problems with that. Number one, if you're a victim of a crime, right, you don't know what's going on with your case. If your case isn't hand, being handled quickly, that's an issue. Number two, if you're the defendant, right, and let's say you did it and you know you did it, and you just want to take your punishment and move on, it's also unfair that you're having to wait to get that started, to get that behind you. And it also costs the county money to do that because the longer it takes for a case to go through the system, you're paying more in terms of if they're in the jail, that costs money. If it's taking longer to go through the system, you're paying a defense attorney if they have one that's uh, court appointed. You're paying every step of that way. So it goes hand in hand with justice and, and really money. And those are two huge things, right? And so the longer you take for a case to go through the system, you can ask anybody on the defense end or on the prosecution end, the longer a case takes, the better the case gets for the defense. And that's because you're gonna lose witnesses, people's memory fades, you can't find the witness. The witness has died. 
the police officers have moved on. It becomes a real issue. And the bigger the case, the bigger that problem becomes. And I know firsthand, I'm not saying we never had any cases that took a long time when I was there. We did. So I know what happens when you wait a long time to get a case through that system. Sometimes you make plea deals that you don't want to make, that you don't like to make, but you have to given those circumstances. And so that's really the biggest thing that I want to do is move those cases faster through the system. And, you know, speaking of, and, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that, speaking on the plea deals, um, what are your thoughts on plea deals and how will you use those? Uh, how will you prioritize using those? Right. So plea to many people is a four letter word. Yeah. But our criminal justice system is one of pleas, not trials. And the reason for that is you have to look at how many cases actually come through the system in the county. You're talking about thousands of cases a year. You cannot try every one of those cases. It is impossible. It would take us a thousand years to get through the cases that we have right now because it takes time to pick a jury, usually half a day or a full day to pick a jury on a case. Depending on the severity of the case, you're talking about two-day trial, maybe a two-week trial. It's impossible to try every case. So you have to prioritize the violent offenders the child sex crimes, the assaults, aggravated assaults, the murders, of, co of course, those are the priorities. But 98% of the cases are going to be pled. And even serious cases, I think people say on the serious cases, try them all, right? Try them all, get the max. It doesn't work that way. And the reality is this, the reason that we make plea deals that we do is based on the experience of us having tried those cases in the past. Again, no case is the same, but they're similar patterns, right? And we've seen, even when we go to trial and we get a conviction for a certain kind of case, we don't always get the maximum penalty. Again, it depends on the circumstances. Do they have priors? Were there other extenuating circumstances? And every jury's different. So we are a system of pleas. So we do have to move those cases through, uh, but the most violent of offenders and the child sex crimes for sure, those cases really do need to be tried to try to seek the maximum penalty for those kinds of cases. Speaking of maximum penalties, uh, there's, you know, there's been talk since, you know, since before I was born about the validity of the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're okay with chasing or are you gonna be okay with trying that? Sure. There are just some cases where the death penalty is going to be what needs to happen, right? But I think those are um, few and far between. And, the, and again, the reality of that situation is this. It generally costs like any county $1 million to actually try a death penalty case, okay? And the other thing too is you're not seeing immediate justice. Right. It's one thing if somebody got the death penalty today and within a year they get executed. We all know that process is taking 10, 20, sometimes 30 years. And in that in between time, it's appeal after appeal after appeal. And so you're constantly having to, to let that family know, hey, there's another appeal that got filed. We'll see what happens. Oh, another appeal has been filed. We'll see what happens. And so for a lot of those people, they'll never get closure because it, it's never a done deal. 
Whereas when they get life, there's still going to be appeals there because people have nothing but time. They're going to appeal everything. Uh, but it's not as extensive as when you seek the death penalty uh, and, and get that sentence, right? Then there's going to be way more, a lot, a lot of appeals. You know, I think the last death penalty case we had was, uh, it's been several years, probably 20, 30 years. Uh, so, so it's been a while, wow. you know, um, and then there was one that we did when I was at the district attorney's office, we were going to seek the death penalty that at least was on the table. But at the time we didn't have the attorneys to dedicate to do that trial. I wanted to work on that case so bad, <laughs> but it really does take months and months of time for, for any one attorney to work on that. And you just can't have one attorney working on that. You need multiple. And we didn't have maybe four or five felony attorneys at that time to try to do that. So it really wasn't feasible. So we had to reach out to the attorney general's office, um, the state's attorney's office to help with that. Uh, so they kind of took over the case. And then ultimately the end result was a, a life sentence without parole. They worked out a plea deal for that. Right. So while I think the death penalty is definitely warranted, it's never off the table for me. Two things have to happen for that to be sure, or three things actually. Number one, the family of that victim really needs to be on board with that decision, in my opinion. Uh, number two, the evidence better be really solid. You know, so those two things really need to happen. And number three, we need to make sure that we have the resources to do that, if, again, efficiently. I don't want to have a death penalty case, and we try that case five years down the road. That doesn't help anybody, and the county just spends more money having that person sit in the jail waiting for their trial. Yeah, and, and, and all that stuff trickles down and bogs down the system. But, you know, there's been talk about how um, – there's DAs throughout the country who who have you know they they've gone really um, they've really gone a certain way on how they're they're interpreting law and what they're choosing to enforce and they're flat out saying I'm not going to enforce this or I'm not going to enforce that so um, where do you fall on that and enforcing and prioritizing right so the Dallas DA is a prime example. Uh, when he took office, he said, you know what, I'm not going to prosecute thefts under $750 or something like that. If it's for personal use, well, well what does that mean? Uh, it could mean anything, really. Nobody likes a thief. <laughs> when, when he came out with that, I, I was shocked. Um, Dallas, of all places, you're going to do that. Uh, and, and I don't think it worked out too well for them. So you, you can't give anybody a license to commit a crime. That's essentially for me what it was. If you tell people, I'm not going to prosecute this crime, that kind of tells people, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Uh, so that would never happen. Uh, my job as the DA would be to prosecute any case that came into us by law enforcement, right? We don't go out and seek these crimes. We have plenty that the law enforcement brings us. And that includes every crime. So there's not going to be any crime that we're going to say, mm, no, we're not going to do that. If it's on the books, if it's properly investigated, if it's brought to us, we will prosecute it. And, and you know, that that's basically the job. I, I uh, you know, one of the things that are the big key term that has been thrown around, especially uh, after George, George Floyd, 
is uh, criminal justice reform. And the feds did the second uh, step back and, and Texas did something similar. And, and, you know, that's the big key buzzword. What does criminal justice reform mean to you? So for me, it's not letting people off easy. Okay. But if we can find ways, particularly for me, in the drug offender situation, right? We're not fixing anybody by sending them to prison. We're just not. In fact, if you just uh, saw, actually last week, I think, that TDCJ was closing down their facilities for a while. Why? Contraband was coming in and people were getting killed, right? So drugs are in prison. Let's, let's not joke or pretend that we send somebody to prison so they can get clean or get sober. That's not happening, right? But there has to come a point where if you refuse to get help, that may be your only option, right? We're trying to save you from yourself at some point. And so for drug possession, I'm talking about possession, not delivery, totally different for me. For possession, I look for the and. So some people who are just possessing drugs are just ruining their own lives. But there are people who use drugs and do something else, meaning they're on drugs and they assault people. They're on drugs and they're driving. You know, they're on drugs, they're hurting other people. That's a major problem, right? And so you can't use I'm on drugs as an excuse. But where I think we can do some reform is getting people who are straight possessors into other treatment programs, all right? Um, we're never going to solve the drug problem that way. I believe it requires more law enforcement uh, measures to get the dealers for sure. But I still think we need to help those people because, again, the reality of the situation, whether people want to recognize it or not, is even if we send those people to prison for drug possession, they're coming back here. They're not spending their lives in prison. Most of the people in prison are not there for drug possession. They are there for serious, violent offenses, and that's where they should be. So those people are still coming back into our community whenever they're done with their time, still addicted to drugs. Well, guess what's going to happen? We're going to see them again. I mean, there, there's some people, yeah, absolutely. There's some people that I've seen multiple times, you mm -hmm. know, I'm like, Hey, we know we're on a first name basis, Especially right? with drugs. Other. Especially with drugs. Yes. Especially with drugs. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, cr criminal justice reform, when it comes to that, there was a, and you talking about drug treatment, mm -hmm. um, there was a Herculean effort done in the last two years. Uh, the, the current DA, Ms. Ann Montgomery, uh, was working with um, the state and working with the county officials to try to get a veterans court in. Mm -hmm. And the vet, this veterans treatment court has been implemented and now she's putting it together. Um, if you were elected, would that be something that you continued and, and would you make that a priority? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm not here to undo anything that that's already been done. You know, we owe the veterans a lot, right? They, they literally put their lives on the line, much like law enforcement, to ensure our freedoms, right? To ensure that we have this criminal justice system where, in fact, I was at jury duty this morning. That's where I was, right? I was proud to serve. I didn't get selected. I got released, but it's a service, right? I'm not going to be in the military. I'm not going out there, but this is a service I can do for my country, 
right, to show my appreciation for those veterans that I get this freedom, that we even have this legal process where people can come, have their voices heard, and have the people decide what should happen to you, right? So we're not going to take away any of those programs. You know, we need to find the people to make sure that we're getting the right people into those programs and continue them on so that they can come back and be productive citizens again. You know, they're going to get in that program if they've got some sort of mental illness because of their service. It's usually PTSD uh, yeah. to get them into that program, right? And, it, mm -hmm. and it's not, some people think it's a fairly easy program. It is not. No. Uh, there, there's a lot of things they have to go through. They're very closely monitored. So it is a rigorous program. So it's not like saying, hey, we're going to make something easy for you because you're a veteran. It's kind of the opposite. But if you show that you can do it, then you deserve this opportunity because of the opportunities you allowed us to continue to have by your service. And, and, and you know, that's just one of those, uh, that as a vet, I chime in. And I'm thankful that, that you would want to continue it. Um, I, a lot of brothers and sisters of mine are in, in prisons now, and, and it could have been just simple treatment. That, you know, not all of them. Some of them, they're, they, they're, they are where they deserve to be. And, and you know, there's others that, that may have benefited from that kind of program. Um, one of the things that, that are very important in any organization is culture. It, it, how, how the culture of, of an organization is determined by its leader. Now it's carried out by everybody, but its leader is the one you have to lead and you gotta maintain a culture. What kind of culture would you bring to the Ellis County DA's office? So I wanna bring a positive culture, right? More of a family culture. Uh, now, sometimes your family is dysfunctional <laughs> at times, but you're still a family in the end. And what that means to me is that everybody has a part in what goes on in that DA's office, right? Everybody's part is valued. Uh, when I was a prosecutor, I worked very closely with my investigator and my clerk. It really was a team effort so that my success was their success. You know, my defeats were their defeat and we all felt it and we worked together all the time. And it's, it was a situation where if I'm done with my work a little bit early, I'm gonna go help the next person get ahead. And, and because it's the whole system, the whole place that has to work together to move the cases forward. And it just creates a better working environment. You know, people want to come to work if they know they're gonna come to family. Uh, as opposed to just a job. And so that also requires that everybody understand what the mission is and everybody has to buy into that mission as well. And so if you make it a comfortable place to be, a place where everybody likes to be, they're gonna get more work done. I mean, studies have shown the happier worker is, the more productive they're gonna be. And that's all, that's all I'm gonna be asking for. And part of that really does start with me, like you said. I'm going to be the type of leader. I don't plan to manage anybody. I plan to lead people. And for me, that's a very significant distinction, right? I've been in the trenches with those people. I know how to work those cases. I know the toll it takes on you and your family to work those cases. And because I know that, I know what it takes. So I plan to help them, right? I'm going to lead by example. 
if that means I get in there and do a misdemeanor docket one day, that, that's what I'm going to do. If it means I'm going to do a felony docket one day, that's what I'm going to do. If it means I go to grand jury and present those cases, that's what I'm going to do. If our receptionist is out and there's nobody else to take her place, when you call the district attorney's office, you're going to sit here. Good morning, Ellis County District Attorney's Office. How may I help you? Come out of my mouth. I will do any job that's required in that office if I need to, if it means moving things forward in a positive direction. Uh, I've always worked that way. I usually have a general positive personality. I'm very even keeled for the most part. Nothing rattles me. I don't, I'm not very emotional in terms of my decision-making, um, but I'm also feel like I'm a compassionate person as well. Yeah. And, and you know, those are, those are traits definite to have. And, and uh, so I guess, you know, they, they, they might be able to, they might see you answering the phone and, and objecting in court the next day, just yes. whatever needs to be done, I guess. Absolutely. So before I, I close out and give you the mic, I wanted to go ahead and ask you one last question. And that was, how do you plan on, you know, how important is transparency to you and how do you plan on involving the public in, in some of the things that are done in your office? Sure. So I actually put out a, an announcement campaign video. And one of the things that I said is transparency and accountability are crucial, right? And I've been telling everybody, again, this may be to my ultimate detriment, but I believe everybody needs to know. I've been finding out on this campaign trail that a lot of people don't know one with the, who the DA is, what the DA does and, and whether how many cases we have is, is good or bad, right? People can't tell me. If I tell them it's 5,000, they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> you know, so it's all relative. Mm -hmm. But I plan in my administration to give, whether it's quarterly, you know, biannually or even annually, sort of a state of the county <laughs> address or something and put it on Facebook or website, wherever it needs to be, to tell you this is what we've done. We've had this many cases brought into the office. This is how many cases have been filed. This is how many cases have been disposed of. This is how many trials we had. And this is the outcome, whether it's good, good or bad. We are not gonna win every case. That is an impossibility. I can promise you we're not going to, but you should know what's going on. And you should be able, if there's something that you don't like, to be able to pick up the phone and not be able to talk to anybody to contact Lindy Beatty and find out what's going on. And I'm happy to explain to you why a decision was made or why a decision was not made. People deserve to have that information. Information is power and the citizens deserve to have that. They may not wanna know what the answers are necessarily, but you deserve to have those answers. Yeah, transparency is key. It's it's something that I ask almost every candidate because you know although you met a lot of people that have no idea what the DA or that they're even a DA, um, they they experience the fruits of that by safer streets, safer communities, and 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 so um, sometimes it's got to be a silent warrior thing, but you know it 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 still has to happen. It's sure. a function that has to happen. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give you the mic and, and shut up and let you talk directly to people. You could tell them, you know, where your web campaign website, where they can reach you, uh, put it all out there. Yeah, thank you. So I do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's Lindy Beatty for DA. So if you look at that, I will be posting any videos and I'll be doing a lot of videos along the way. 
so that you can see what's going on in your community, where I'm at. I plan to reach every uh, portion of this community and this county, north to south, east to west. I'm going to be everywhere. You're going to see me everywhere. You can also look at my website at www.lindybatey4da.com to look for things, to donate to the campaign, certainly, to donate your time would be great. If you just want to talk to me, reach out to me on Facebook as well or on the website. I am happy to sit down with one of you, two of you, or a hundred of you at a time to talk to you about me because I believe you need to get to know me. Uh, the more that you know me, I believe that the more that you'll know what I'm capable of doing. Wow. Yeah, you know, um, and I, I wanted to go ahead and um, put your website out again. What was that again? It was www.lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, Beatty, B-E-A-T-Y, for F-O-R-D-A dot com. Go check her out. Um, be informed. Um, you know, always of, of what's going on in your county. Um, the, the DA is the chief law enforcement officer of the county, and it's a very important position. It's something that you should know about. I plan on having the incumbent on at some point to talk as we uh, get closer. I appreciate you coming on, Miss Lindy Beatty. I mean, you know, I wish you the best. Uh, Thank you. You know, it's, I know that this is tough and, and, you know, putting yourself through that. And, you know, I appreciate you wanting you serve your community. Yeah, I appreciate your time too. And, you know, don't be afraid to do it. No, definitely. Uh, can you stick around after the show real quick? Sure. Thank you.